0: But uh, there's a guy in this room that was in this room when there was no carpets. We were just working. I can't remember the day, what we were doing on a particular day, but I can remember being in this room. And and Chris Cogswell was here, and he brought a friend of his, Derek Jenkins. And uh, hadn't really seen Derek much since then. It's been a long time ago, so we're talking about on the verge maybe of 15 years or something like, like that. But when Chris was home recently, he said, You'll never guess in the world what Derek's doing now. He's going to become a pastor. <laughs> <I'm> going, really? <laughs> I just think it's great. But anyway, Derek happens to be here this morning with his wife. He is uh, serving at a church down in the Tampa area with a guy that I went to seminary with, David Harding. And uh, and evidently doing a very great job, and, and, and so pray for him. He's in seminary now. He's going to be preaching for his first time in a couple of weeks. So anyway, keep them, and and his wife is with him this morning too. Just keep them both in your prayers. We we uh, hope to see you a lot more, maybe give you a chance to preach here sometime, maybe. We'll see how you do. <laughs> See how you do first. But, it, I mean, it just, it just amazes me what God does with, with, you know, who would have ever thought for a minute that, that, that God would begin to use this young man's life the way that he is? Did you ever believe that would happen, Derek? No. Are you still as fun as you used to be? Okay, well will ask him. Yeah, he had me in stitches that day. I don't even remember what he was doing. But. Okay, we, this morning, are going to be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, oh, I do want to say this too. Some of you were saying, where's Lloyd? <laughs> you know, it's unusual that we have just ladies up here who are leading us in music, and, and, and Lloyd has had some voice issues lately, and he needs to take a little time off to get his voice back up to snuff and uh, and all of that. So we need to be in prayer for him too. And uh, we're hoping that maybe Dave Hiley will be able to fill in here a little bit on occasion and, and all of that. So uh, anyway, that's what's going on there. But uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, we started this a number of weeks ago. We started to... Get into this area of the the epistle where Paul begins to make a real distinction between the role of men and women uh, in the church. Uh, and I just want to challenge us with this before we begin this morning. Uh, we live in a world today where there are all kinds of buzzwords going around and phrases going around, and one of those is that we must be politically correct, right. In other words, we have to be very cautious about what we say and what we practice. We need to be sensitive to this, that, and the other, uh, and to other people and things like that. And don't get me wrong, we need to be sensitive to the other people. The last thing you and I want to do is ram, cram, jam Christianity down anybody's throat. We don't want to do that, right? But we understand that that may be okay out there in the world. It's not really okay out in the world, it's going on out in the world. But it stops at the door. (laughs) What I mean by that is this, is you and I need to be biblically correct. That is our guiding principle. That we need to let the word of God rule our lives and fashion our understanding of absolutely everything. So I'm going to read a few verses that we covered last week. Uh, verse 8. Therefore I wanted the men in every place to pray, uh, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And this is, and we got into this last week. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair in gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as befits women making a claim to godliness. Let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness that I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, uh, but to remain quiet. Now let me ask you something. How well do you think that message would go over in the world today? We understand the, the, the Bible says very often things that really almost grate on the fallen human spirit. Fallen human nature, right? Again, what Paul is doing here is he's, he's encouraging women to, to dress uh, and, and, and present themselves in a modest and decent demeanor primarily when you're going into the worship service. It applies in every situation. Don't get me wrong. But we need to remember this, and that is that uh, these epistles were not written in vacuums. In other words, they were addressing real issues that were taking place in the church. As Paul was writing these things, there evidently were women who were dressing and presenting themselves very provocatively in a sense to draw attention to themselves rather than realizing or acknowledging and, and encouraging the concentration and tension of everyone being placed upon God, which is the reason we come to worship. Verse 10, but as is befitting a woman who promotes reverence for God by means of good works. I would imagine, I mean, we're all sinners, right? And, and we all tend to sin very often in kind of the same ways and this, that, and the other. But at the same time, we understand that there is a distinction between men and women. And that is a, a, a distinction that was made by God at creation. It is there, it is a reality, it will never, well, possibly in the new heavens and the earth, that distinction may somewhat go away, who knows? But we know that in this world, as we're living in it, that God himself has made great distinctions between men uh, and women. And because that is true, I would say this, that there are probably particular sins that men are maybe, more inclined to commit in other particular sins that maybe women are more inclined towards the reason i say that is this and you've heard me use this as an example time and time after uh, and time again and that is when we're when we're examining candidates and we're not only testing them in theology and bible knowledge and all those other things we also examined them in their personal devotional life and just all kinds of things, and we ask him, they ask them really hard questions, personal questions, private questions. And one of those is that we always ask is this, are there any besetting sins that, that, that you just can't seem to be able to get a handle on, you can't get a hold of? and i've been doing this now for 20 something years and i can tell you out of maybe you know 75 candidates that i personally have encountered in this situation there might be one did not you did, t- did not tell us that they have struggles with lust It's something that I think men struggle with probably more than women. Certainly women maybe to some degree and in different ways and all of that. But it's a sin that I really am not too sure that women can even understand like a man can understand it. So what Paul is talking about here and what I'm encouraging all of our ladies to do is be sensitive to that. In other words, the last thing we want to do is to encourage sin. Now, there's nothing wrong at all for ladies trying to look nice. That's not what we're talking about here. As a matter of fact, we really like it when you look nice. We really like it when you all dress up and all that kind. And again, like I said last week, there's really no one in this room that I'm concerned about in regard to this particular aspect. But we need to understand that in the church in large, there certainly are churches today, meaning today, where this really would be an issue. Physical beauty is not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it's a gift from God. I mean, it is. We've all seen people. Maybe maybe some of the ladies have seen guys would within in this category. They walk into the room, and it's like everybody, you know just everybody's attention is on that person because they have such great physical beauty. Sin comes in when people purposely use that sort of thing to their advantage, to bring attention to themselves and away from the one whose attention to whom we should give our attention. We are people of two parts. We have a physical part, we have a spiritual part. Physical beauty is a real thing, but I want to challenge us with the idea this morning that spiritual beauty is a real thing too. Now, let me tell you, there are, there are some very spiritually beautiful people in this room. Paul, what Paul is doing is encouraging the women to display spiritual beauty that promotes harmony among the brothers and sisters in Christ rather than division. see, what I would tell you is this is there is nothing to me that is more beautiful than a smile. And there's a few women in this room that every time you look at them, their face just lights up. And one of the things I say to them when they're leaving on Sunday morning, very often is this, is just keep on smiling. Keep on smiling. Because let me tell you, those smiles, and I'm talking about real sincere smiles, you can tell that they come down from real down deep inside, and they, re- they really mean it. They're smiling because they want to smile. They can't help it. Keep it up. You're beautiful. And Encouraging. Now comes the really hard part. A woman is to listen in silence in all submission. Now, can you imagine woman in silence mentioned in the same sentence? I'm just kidding. We, we differ from one another in lots of ways, and some of us tend to be on the quiet side. Some of us tend, on the other hand, to be the opposite, where, where they talk incessantly, where anything and every conversation that's going on, they participate in, and very lively. I would imagine that you would find most of us are somewhere in the middle. Sometimes we talk, and sometimes we don't talk so much. But the truth is this, none of us likes to be told to be quiet. I don't know anybody, that if, if they hear that spoken to them by someone in authority, that it doesn't at least to some degree grate on them. It bothers us especially when what we s- want to say we think is very, very important and contributes to what is going on. Think about children if you're a parent right now, you probably get tired of saying, be quiet. Please be quiet. And sometimes we do it for good reasons, and sometimes we do it because we just don't want to be bothered, right? But obviously, children have to learn that there are times to speak and there are times to be silent. times to speak and times to be silent and those are lo- those are lessons that we all have to learn as people like i said before many things the bible says are grating to the fallen sinful nature of man and when the Bible says things that, that seem, because I would imagine if, you were a, if you're a woman, at least the first time you read those words, there certainly had to be some sense of, how can the Bible say that? How, could, how can Paul say that? Women are supposed to be silent. He must have a low view of women. He must, must not, not think that women are equal to men and this, that, and the other. But let me just tell you, that is not the intention here at all. Our understanding is that the silence has more to do with teaching than it has to do with anything else. Can you imagine what the worship service would be like if we came in here on Sunday morning and only the men sang and the women stood here and said nothing? Is this what Paul, is, is this what he means and what he's saying? Is that women are always to be silent, to be quiet, to keep their mouth closed? And there's a proper context for this. And if you look at all the rest of the things in the rest of this letter in the Bible, it comes down to this. It's, it has to do with Silence when it comes to women teaching men. So are you always pleased with what God has to say to you? Does it always just settle in nice and comfortable and cozy and and all of that. But just remember as parents, we say a lot to our children. And remember that God is our Father. And remember he has, he has a will and purpose in absolutely everything. We may not always understand His reasoning for certain things, but they are His reasonings and His determinations. And just as we abide in, in what our parents tell us to do, We abide in what our Father in heaven instructs us. And I just want you to know something. Just in case you think that the the Bible is picking on women here, you need to understand that it says many things to men that are just as hard for them to hear. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul instructs women to be submissive to their husbands. We'll talk about that in just a second. But also says this, that husbands are to love their wives just as Christ also loved the church and did what? He gave himself up for her. In other words, he's calling for husbands to sacrifice themselves completely for the good of their wives. Do you think that's easy to do? Do you think that that's a a high mark to try to make? Not only that, Paul goes on, he says, not only be silent, but also be submissive. Completely, absolutely submissive. Remaining silent has got to be hard, but uh, being submissive has got to probably be even harder. I was reading a book just recently and read a chapter this morning that really kind of caught me off guard and it had to do with this couple and uh, and the husband was diagnosed with cancer and and he died very suddenly and uh, and they were members in a church and so they were really ministered to through the through the church and by their, their church family uh, but then he passed away and she was devastated uh, and it went on you, you know her grief went on certainly it's continuing today but but Was very severe for a lengthy period of time, Uh, but eventually she came to a conclusion, and she she told this to the pastor one day, and he was completely shocked because I use this in funeral services very often, and that is this is if you know whoever it was that passed away, they're in heaven with Jesus right now, and if they had the opportunity to come back, they wouldn't come back because it's so great where they are, they'd never want to think about coming back here, even though we're here. But what she said was this. She said that he wouldn't want to come back because of the growth that she had experienced as a believer through that trial and tribulation. That she had benefited so much from it, that experience. And understanding that she had come to a threshold in her walk with Christ that she never would have come close to without going through that particular experience. How can you imagine that? I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I was going to say something, but I've decided I'm not going to. That happens sometimes. You can do that when you're preaching. <laughs> and I'm not going to go there. But ultimately, guys, what it comes down to is this. Is, it means a lot of things, but one of those is our willingness to be submissive according to the word of God to other people. is a measure of our willingness to be submissive to God. I mean, if we are, we are, and if we're not, we're not. Right? Verse 12, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to be in silence. Now, if you weren't offended before, maybe you are now. One of the lies, my, my brothers and sisters, is being propagated by the world today in regard to Christianity and the Bible is this, is that this God that we worship is anti-woman. The Bible's against women. The church is against women. You and I know that that is just a falsehood. The Bible is not anti-woman. Neither is its author. And we've talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. If you, want to, if you want to understand your measure, whether you're a man or a woman to God, the only thing you have to do is look at the, at the, the value of the ransom that was paid to gain your salvation. That's how much God loves you, that God the Father gave his Son, God the Son came and did everything that was necessary so that you and I, all of us being absolutely, totally, completely unworthy of it, to the greatest extent we could, we, beyond our comprehension. Nonetheless, because God is a God of love, you and I are reaping that benefit. And it doesn't matter if we are a man or a woman. That is what establishes our importance in the kingdom of God, not whether we are male or female. When it comes to aspects of salvation, there is no distinction to be made between men and women at all. There are a number of women of great prominence in the, in the scriptures. Would we be here if it wasn't for Eve? Let's stop there. We won't go further. But think about Sarah, Abraham's wife. Think about Miriam, the sister of Aaron and, and Moses. Think about Rahab and Deborah. And Ruth and Hannah and Esther and Mary and Elizabeth and all those women that are so Mary Magdalene, they're so prominent in Scripture, so important in Scripture. But even so, what we see is is what Paul is saying here. And this is not just Paul speaking. This is God speaking. You need to understand that. How do we know that? We know for a lot of reasons. One of those is if you take what Paul says here and you balance it in Scripture, weigh it in the balance of Scripture, you come to the same conclusion. What I'm saying here is this, is... The Bible declares from one end to the other that women are not to teach men or exercise ecclesiastical authority over them. I'm going to emphasize that. The truth is, I mean, if you look at the Bible, and some people would say, well, men wrote the Bible. Maybe God wrote it, but he wrote it through men. So what do you expect? Well, let me tell you guys, that can't be true if the Bible is the inerrant word of God. God gave it, and, it and, and everything it is in it, we have to receive it and accept it as God's stuff. Right? But there are no examples in, in Scripture of women teaching men except for one that I can come up with, and this was Priscilla and Aquila. And it was not in a public setting where Priscilla and Aquila took... Oh, gosh, what's his name? Apollos. They took him in private, and they corrected his misunderstanding about some aspects of the gospel. That's the only single time in Scripture that you can find a woman actually having any degree of influence as far as teaching on men. But well, one of the people that they want to use very often to demonstrate that there is a place of authority for women, and that is Deborah the judge, all the way back in, in, in the book of Judges. But the, the truth is this, as you start digging into it, what it looks like is Deborah's in power for one reason, and it is, that's because the men had abdicated their authority. We look out at churches around today, and we know that there are many churches and denominations where women are in very high levels of leadership. There are lots of churches meeting today where the pastor is going to be a female. And we can say all kinds of things about it, but I would say one of the primary problems here is this, is the men are not leading. God has called them to lead, and they're not leading. Someone has to do it. So very often there are women stepping into the shoes that men are supposed to fill. If you've been here for very long you'll know that you you know that we don't have men sitting under the teaching of women it just does not take place now let me just say this we had we had women leading us and in, in singing this morning some people here may take exception to that i can tell you right now there would be some pastors and churches in our denomination that would take exception to that but I love the PCA for all kinds of reasons, and one of those is this: is where we can give ground, we give ground. And let me just tell you this: that there are times when we've had women lead General Assembly in worship, singing, but we have never, ever had a woman preach at General Assembly. That's because the word of God is clear. So, why has the church, in a sense, the visible church, why is it where it is today, where things like this are commonly accepted, for a lot of reasons, one of those is this, you need to understand that just because people are in a church building today and they're whatever, doesn't necessarily mean they truly even believe Christianity. There's some people in churches that have never heard the gospel in their whole lifetime. What they've heard over and over again is, how do you get to, to heaven as you be like Jesus? You earn your way, and so they're in church to earn their way to heaven. One of my professors used to talk about this all the time, and that is how important the, 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 the doctrine of the inerrancy and infallibility of Scripture. Because it's inspired by God is important. How important it is to our understanding of absolutely everything. It is one of the most fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. But see, one of the problems to hear today, guys, is this is there are people today who are in churches that do not believe that the Bible as a whole is God's word. They believe that what you can do now is because it's been, it's been affected by the sin of man and, and people have written things in there that God really didn't say and this, that, and the other. And so what we do now is we just go through there and we pick out what God said and we throw out what man said. And this is obviously one of the things that man said, not God, because he would never say something like this. So it's gone. But my professor talked about the slippery slope. Once you give up on that fundamental doctrine and you step out onto this slope, that's like grease. It will carry you to places you never thought you would go. You would begin to deny all kinds of things. Because now you can just simply pick and choose what you want to believe and forget about the rest of it. I'd also say there's partly this, and that is that very often churches, the men in churches, have used it to abuse women. To make them lower class citizens. Is that God's intention? No. Not at all. There's all kinds of cultural and social pressure on the church today to become more and more like the world, to be politically correct. We can't be. I think a lot of people think the feminist movement has been a really bad thing. But let me tell you, the feminist movement actually has accomplished a lot of good things. And one of those is this, is there were a lot of women that were being abused in every, all kinds of ways, and it's helped to bring an end to some of that. Okay. Do you think it's a good thing that women have the right to vote now? Should women have always had the right to vote? Yeah. The problem, guys and gals, is this, is it swung, the pendulum has swung way too far should have settled in the middle, but it's gone way over here. So that now we have a culture out there that is doing its very best to erase absolutely every distinction that exists between men and women. Sad. So where are we? Are we willing to let God's word speak for itself? Are we going to pick and choose? Throw out what we don't like. Receive what we do like. Or, when it says something difficult and hard like this, we'll just figure out some way to explain it away. That's not really what God means. But what I'm telling you, this is what God says, and this is what God means. Can't imagine what the church would be like without women in it. Seriously, what would it be like? It's probably nothing even one would have to have anything to do with. It's a bunch of guys doing their thing and this, that, and the other. So I just want to end with this word this morning. I, don't, don't any of you women ever feel like you don't have great importance here? You have very vast importance here, and you fill feel, feel niches and things like that, that the men here can't even come close to, to filling in. The only thing that we're talking about here is God, in some sense, has a different purpose for you than he has for your male counterparts. And we need to be comfortable with it. We need to be okay with it, regardless of what the world says. This is God's house. This is his stuff. He's the master. We're the servants. He's the father. We're his children.